I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. I am so excited to share part two of the conversation I started last week with Noelle Rhodes and Alana Kuwabara. We talked about what family culture is, why spending time together matters, and how connection with our kids can help them feel safe in unpredictable times. The big idea behind that episode was to share with you the common traits that you can find in healthy cultures, whether it's an organization, a business, or a family. If you haven't had the chance to listen to that episode, I recommend that you go check it out. Today, like I said, we'll be finishing up that conversation, and you'll hear about the five things that prevents us from building a healthy culture. These things are just as important to talk about because you'll want to make sure that you're not doing them, that you're not undermining the good work that you're already doing in your home. Before we get started, I just want to remind you again that it's not too late to get the free one word for the holiday worksheet. It will help you calm the chaos this holiday season and walk you through how to choose one word that will set the tone for you and your family. That one word will become the guidepost for what you will say yes to and what you will say no to over the next few weeks. Head over to buildyourbestfamily.com to get your copy. To me, like you're really good at setting clear expectations mm. and I know you, you mentioned like um like a connect group which I guess is like small group mm-hmm. kind of thing home group so do you like legit have them you are you like to one kid you're gonna vacuum you're making the nacho dip you're gonna make sure the toilet mm-hmm. is clean while I do this I mean I'm just curious do you like do you give them assigned roles Oh, for sure. And, and I would say like, as we segue into what gets in the way of a healthy culture is not having clear expectations. You know, I, I'm very much, I'm like, okay, Erin, you're going to answer the door and then I want you to take people's coats and I want you to hang them up. And then, you know, I'll have somebody else putting out the dishes and then somebody else is running around doing things. What I found, whether it's with my children or my husband is when I use their name and specifically ask them what I need from them, it actually gets done because what's happened so oftentimes is we think people should just know. And I don't care how old my kids are. They don't just know they should, but they don't. And I would even say the same of my husband. And I think, you know, I've heard Craig Rochelle say in all of his leader, leadership podcasts is that good communication is actually over-communication. Yeah. Like you need to over-communicate in order to, to be successful. So yeah. I know that there was, there was a couple I used to, when I was younger, used to make fun of because when they would, I would overhear their conversations, like at a sports event and they would like over-communicate and use full sentences with one another. And I used to roll my eyes all the time because I'm like but they have such great communication years later. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I wish like, how do I say full sentences? <laughs> how do I speak in full sentences? How do I tell not them? leave things up to chance and not assume that you know what I'm talking about because you should have picked up on the cue I gave you from the last thing I just said. Like it, it just, it doesn't go well when we don't communicate well. So setting clear expectations, reminding them of what their responsibilities are. 
you know, one of the ways we do that as a family is we have regular family meetings. I mean, it's just one of the things we do. There's no question about who's going to go where, who needs a ride somewhere. There's no, you know, and that's one of the places where we have conversations around like, hey, we're going to have to sacrifice some of ourselves because we've got to be there for one another, you know, or, but it's also the the time when everybody gets to give their opinion and they get to give Mm. feedback and they get to say how they're feeling or what they're, you know, what they're struggling with, or, you know, it's, it's, we do a number of different things we talk about at that meeting, but that, that regular meeting allows you the space to set that expectation. And so using specific language, when I do it, I'm way more successful than when I try to shorthand it or just assume people should know, or it it just, it doesn't work well. I really love the idea of the family meeting and the feedback part, because I feel like one, it teaches everybody how to take feedback, like how, Mm -hmm. and it's a safe place to practice that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But also it also is really great because it teaches everyone that there's a time and place to give feedback. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're in the moment and you see something, you know, your, your brother didn't do a good job at whatever collecting the coats, that's not the time in front of everyone to be like, yo, Hey, you're doing a terrible job. That's not the time and place there. There is a set aside time where we're going to discuss these things. And there's going to be a set, there's going to be time set aside where you're going to process that and receive it. I just think that's a great goodness gracious skill that, that everyone needs to learn a lot earlier than when they do. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And what about you, Noel? Do you have expectations in your home? I do. And I want to share a little, a little one that I learned a long time ago that we don't use as much anymore, but you'll, you'll know why. When they were little, when my two guys were little, Silas and Olive, we lived in a teeny tiny row house in Northern Ireland. Okay. Their bedroom was like the size of a, a closet. It was so tiny. And we had to like build like custom bunk beds in their room. So they both couldn't be in there. It was tiny. And a tiny room with like little kid toys is like, you know, an episode of hoarders. It's just very, very scary. And I was like, every time I'd walk in, I'd be stepping on a Lego and saying bad words. I mean, it was just not, it wasn't good. So because one of my children for many years was not verbal, which is a whole other, a whole other story for another episode, I had to figure a way to clearly communicate my expectations to them both. And they were tiny. They were, I think they were maybe like, I'm going to say three and five at this time. So what I did was I cleaned their room for them one time and I took pictures of what I want it to look like when they clean their room. So I took a picture of like the box, the Legos. I took a picture of what their bed should look like. I took a picture where they should put their books, how their clothes should look. And then I put it on like a big, you know, what do they call those? Cork boards. Board, yeah. yeah. And I would say... At the end of the day, when it was time to clean up, I would say, okay, Cy and Olive, it's time to clean your room. And when I come back, it's got to look like these pictures. And so they began to, it was almost like a game. And so they started to, to clean and they would try to match it to the picture. And if they didn't, you know, I could come in, I would see like, oh, look, that book is not, doesn't look like the picture. And they basically kind of learned my expectation of what I want their room to look like. Even now, we don't have pictures because they're, you know, 13 and 15. Although I will resort to them if I have to again. But I I have said to them, this is what your closet should look like. This is what your desk should look like. 
if there are clothes on the floor, I'm going to think that, you know, you don't want them anymore and I'm going to donate them to Goodwill. I mean, I, I communicate to them, but because they were young, they knew mom has, has expectation what the room should look like and what, you know, any space, even outside, my husband did the same thing outside. He showed them how to mow the lawn, what, what you with the leaves, when you make leaves, where they should go. We showed it to them. Now they know. And I think we do, as you said, Kimberly, I think that they already know like, oh, this is common sense that you shouldn't shove, you know, half drunk water bottles under your bed <laughs> and consider that cleaning up. You know, we think that they would know that, but they don't know. But I can say to them, oh, underneath your bed, there shouldn't be anything except the things that we've agreed upon being underneath your bed. And again, you got to think at one point they're going to become adults. So you know, I really do think chores and chore charts are the most loving thing you can do for your kids. And I am meeting so many parents who are like, no, I don't make my kids do chores. We've got, we've got someone to do that, you know? And I'm just like, (laughs) you're doing your kid a service. If they know how to vacuum, do laundry, which my kids have been doing laundry since age eight. And I will brag about that. They made their own lunches (laughs) since, since first grade. And I'll brag about that. Listen to me, by the time that they are become adults and they are sharing an apartment with other adults, they're going to be everybody's favorite roommate because uh-huh. they're not slobs and they know how to make how to make breakfast and they know how to clean things and what to do if a light bulb, you know, goes out. So I really do think that we teach, we tell them the expectation, we let them practice and make mistakes in the safety of our home, but I think chore charts are very loving and very valuable. So uh-huh. I'm getting off my box now about that. <laughs> no, that's I think, great. Yeah, I I love that. I have been very inconsistent with chore charts. I have tried so many different things. We had like popsicle sticks oh, with yeah, like different things written on them and a little thing that was stuck to the fridge. And like, I kind of gave up and I'm I'm reinvigorated. Okay. Good. I'm going to send my kids to you when they're upset that they now have chores. But, you know, we're ta- all of these things that we're talking about, so many of these things make me think about this idea that I really believe in, which is that the family is the first society that we're in. And so we've been given or we've taken, <laughs> however you want to look at it, this responsibility. You know, the way I look at it is that, you, you know, these these are these children are God's, you know, creation, and that I'm stewarding them. And one day they're going to be off into the world, the greater world. And so yeah. in in the little family that we have, you we can teach them these things. And you both said in different topics of like, this is where you prepare them to go out and be somebody other people want to be around too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I, I got to get on that, that, that chore thing. And also it's just, it's funny how we can have these, these expectations for ourselves and these ideals and yeah, apply them inconsistently. And we're very good at setting expectations around discipline, like having the conversation and saying like, this is what we do. This is what we don't do. And if you don't do it, this is what happens and et cetera. But 
I'm just really grateful for this conversation. <laughs> Call me a subscriber because <laughs> I need to apply. I need to remember that I know how to do some of these things and apply them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will give you one tip for the chore charts. When we finally got our chore charts to stick, because my kids give used to be me. a joke. Like they used to be like, yeah, you know how you start something and then you never like follow through. And I've made a gazillion charts. And I'm like, yes, I remember that one. I remember that one. <laughs> for me, me, it really... um because I did all the things, the popsicle sticks, stickers, whatever. What worked sticks. Yeah, was to write out all the, all the chores that my kids needed that I felt they needed to do. And mm-hmm. they had, I gave them the responsibility of grouping them into categories. Mm-hmm. And then I gave them res- responsibility of creating the rotation. Mm-hmm. And so it gave them ownership. Yeah, it's great. It, it made them think, oh, I have some power here. I have some say here. And so they... So we would do, there was like four, four chores, you know, a couple of them were dinner chores and a couple of them were like the bigger chores that need to be done around the house. And so they would group them so that they were fair. Cause when we do those popsicle sticks, it would be like, that's not fair. I always get yeah. the easy, they always get the easy one. I always get the hard one. Yeah. Um, I hate that. So argument. They were res- I know. So they became responsible I for those chores. Yeah. And then, and then at one point they were like, mm, I don't really, they didn't really like the way it was grouped. They felt like one person was always getting like the easy stuff. And so then they re reshuffled them. And once they took ownership of that process, helping, you know, like me asking them for help, which I didn't really need help to make them do, you know what I mean? I mean, I guess I did. Me asking them for help, them thinking that they are bringing a solution to the table and then getting ownership of it is really the difference between follow through. Now, I would say it took me a good two years of mm. back again, like not assuming that they know right. after dinner, chores, come back to chores, come back. No, you can't go to the bathroom. Yep. No, let's, <laughs> you know, it was, I had to stay on top of them probably for a good two years. And then I feel like one day I just turned around like, Oh my yeah. gosh, they, they literally are getting up from the table and doing their chores without being asked. And sometimes I still have to get on them, but like for the most part, it's just second nature now. So it does That's take so good. Time. I'm so glad you mentioned the time that it takes and actually yeah. a number to it. Because I, I feel like so many moms will just abandon and I've done it too, but like you yeah. just go, oh, it's not working because you tried yeah. it once or twice and oh, it's not working. We do that with so many things, right? Yeah. And, and you like trying to change a habit, like it takes time to change a habit. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you putting that Yeah, because when you, you we're setting clear expectations, we have to set them for ourselves as well mm-hmm. and what we can expect from our kids. And that helps everybody when, when mom has good expectations on what she's expecting from the kids. Yeah. All right. So Alana, what is um, something that gets in the way of a healthy, happy culture? Yes, we need open communication. And I think, you know, when when communication is not open, like we were saying before, you know, getting a little snippy, a little short with people, avoiding people, that's when you realize that, you know, the family culture is maybe not been established very well. You need to revisit, you know, some things. There's a saying, distance creates distortion. So, yeah, like the more you're busy and you're two ships in the night, this is what my husband and I say to each other all the time, less so recently, but, you know, two ships in the night. 
you can't, yeah. you can't let that go on. Mm. You have to really guard around that and, and it's good. make sure you stop and you're, in, you're intentional, but teaching, I think teaching your kids and of course, modeling it to them, that active listening where you're not just listening to respond. You're not just listening to correct. You know, you're not even just listening selectively just to try to jump in there when you think you've got something, you know, good to say, but you're just listening and waiting and silence is okay. And pausing is okay. And, you know, kind of teaching them those kind of basic communication skills, but then going back to that, if you have the, the, that foundation of love and trust, you have the shared values and interests, your team, Amici, your team Kuobar, your team Rhodes, you know, when things start to get a little off, it's safe to go, hey, we need to sit and and talk. Yeah. (laughs) We have under communicated and we need to over communicate. And so we get into this, like, they should know. Yeah. They should be picking up on my signals or they should yep. this or that. Right. And so we just got to like open that channel right back up because if you don't have that, then all of those little, then you allow offense to creep in really. And it's we good. can't, the Bible, that Jesus left no room for us having unforgiveness in our hearts. It's just unacceptable. So that's, you know, we got to work on it. I think, I, I think that's so everything you said just is so important. And I think even kind of talking about what we just spoke about, it takes time to get good at open communication. And so Mm -hmm. I think if you haven't been great at it in your family, you know, now is the time to practice and and give yourself the grace that it's going to be awkward. Yeah, you know, accept the awkwardness. Accept the awkwardness. Push through. You know, if you haven't been the kind of family, it's like, all right, everyone, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about how we feel about this. You know, and they're kind of like, what? Don't be <laughs> like, well, we can't. We can't. We're never going to be open communicators. <laughs> you know, you have yeah. to kind of push through and it could take two years like it takes to come you know to get them in a rhythm of cleaning up after dinner or it could take longer Mm -hmm. but it's so worth it and again you know we are if our kids can learn to be open communicators by the time they leave our house by the time they meet someone and get married what a gift we're giving their spouse I mean I just think though it's easy to give up and be like oh we're just not that kind of family Mm mm-hmm can't do that for sure. You know, as you were talking about distance creates distortion, I thought of another phrase that I've heard that can be applied to all of what we're talking about right now is that you can't change what you're willing to tolerate. And I know mm, one good. of That's the good. big, it's good. The foxes, what are they? That scripture in the Bible about those little foxes, yeah, little foxes. One of the foxes yeah. is just letting something go on too long, mm. tolerating it because you just don't want to deal with it or you just don't know how to deal with it or you just the status quo, right? Like, so Mm. I I think of, you know, I've, I've been guilty in the past of if my kids are busy, 
and I'm getting more done, that I'm not mm. kind of engaged with them or on top mm. of what they're doing. So maybe if they're watching something that maybe I wouldn't normally let them watch, the fact that they're it's on and, and they're watching it, and I can get another 30 yeah. minutes of cleaning done or working done yeah. or writing done. That's I'm gonna good. I'm gonna tolerate that. And what happens is you you create a culture from what you do intentionally, but also from what you tolerate. And so mm. whatever it is that you're letting just slide to be comfortable or letting just slide because you know, you're insecure or you don't know how to handle it or you don't know what to say, whatever your reasons are, you're letting it slide. And it could be just because you're exhausted, right? Yeah. Get to the root of that and don't tolerate it anymore. Like yeah. don't tolerate the distance. Good. Don't tolerate the bitterness and the unforgiveness and, and be willing to like get uncomfortable in order to get better communication and make you, you know, it's hard, but open communication mm. is so important. I think it's really good in in those in those moments and something that I try to do is to apologize to the kids and mm. I mean especially because my kids are 7 and 10 but just to go you know what we have this ex- expectation in our family and I haven't been holding you accountable to that expectation mm. because whatever I don't even necessarily have to give a reason to them, but just to say, I messed up and we're going to fix it now. And so mm-hmm. from now on, we're both going to be aware and we're both going to fix this thing. And I, my reasoning for that, I think, is that I want them to be that way too. I mm-hmm. want them to be able to accept responsibility for when, mm-hmm. you know, they've messed up. But it again, it comes back to that open communication that you know, because kids, I mean, and we know this too from when we were kids, like you you pick up on when your yeah. parent is in the wrong and they won't admit it. Mm-hmm. And I never want to, this was not a big issue in my family, but I've seen it in other families where that erodes the trust yep. and then the kids just go a little yeah. bit wayward. And one of the reasons for that is because they, they're like, my parent is not, it's one thing to go like, oh, mom doesn't know everything there is to know about Minecraft, like, fine. (laughs) But to think that they're not a trustworthy Mm. source and they can't see what's clearly in front of their face, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think just calling it out for what it is, apologizing and saying, look, help me and I'll help you. And we're going to work on this together because we're a family. It's good. Yeah. And I think that goes to another thing that I wanted to bring up. Parents leading by example, when parents don't lead by example, kids know it. And so if we're wanting our kids to behave in a certain way towards one another, we as parents need to apologize. Yeah. We need, we need Mm -hmm. to humble ourselves. We need to ask for forgiveness. And, and they, when, when, when we say as a family, we value something, and we're, we're kind of enforcing this behavior on them when we ourselves are not falling in line with that value. That's not going to, that's not going to be a healthy culture. I mean, when, when, you know, when you're in a work situation and you know, upper management is not doing what they expect everybody else to do, that is not a strong culture. That is not a place you want to work. And for children, it's probably not a place you want to live. It's not okay to yeah, not not set the example. It'll it'll erode trust. It'll erode belonging. It'll mm. it'll, it'll just dismantle those things that we so much 
would rather have for our family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Noelle, do you have one? Well, I think, you know, it's inevitable that there's going to be conflict and conflict will definitely get in the way of your healthy family culture. But there, you know, I think as parents, we need to be committed to good conflict management. And I think that actually that is something you need to kind of plan for and have a plan in, you know, ahead of time. Like when there is, oh my gosh, I can think of a thousand examples of conflict, but let's just say a conflict of what's, how something should be handled. Oh, I'll give you an example. Like, you know, should your, should my kid go to this one thing, even though it means they're going to be missing something that I find important, you know, if my husband, and I think differently about that, we have a plan of what we're going to do because we certainly can't fight about it in front of our kids. If that makes any sense. One of the things that we have agreed, like if we both feel differently about how to handle a conflict in the family, whether it's how the two kids are acting with each other or a schedule conflict or anything like that. One of the things that we have is we don't debate each other in front of the kids. Mm -hmm. So what we'll do is if, if we need if we need to, we just take a little time out and we're like, okay, mom and dad are going to talk about this in the other room. We don't like lie. And we're like, you know, everything is that we're always thinking the same thoughts all at the same time, but we don't, we don't put each other down. We're not like, well, that's dumb. Why would you think that? Or this is what we're going to, this is what we're doing. That's what I say we're going to be doing. You know, we'll just be like, oh, okay. We're going to talk about this together and come up with a solution. And we will go into the other room and then we'll come out and we'll then present the the, The united front, the united front. Yeah. And I think that's important. I've seen this a lot. Parents just tearing each other down when they don't agree with each other or Mm. putting each other down or I don't know. I just think that that's not good. And, and what that means is when the kids find themselves in conflict with their friends or in conflict with their siblings, then they they model that going back to leading by example. The other thing we don't do is we do not do the silent treatment in our family. That's a mm-hmm. rule that we have. So for instance, I'll give you an example. If somebody has done something to it, if it, someone has offended somebody, hurt them in some kind of way, if that person apologizes, and that and the other offended person is not ready to say i forgive you they just will say i need a little bit more time can you come back to me in 2 hours i don't okay. force anybody to be like i forgive you because i don't think that's good to like just offer cheap forgiveness but in your heart mm-hmm. you've got like you know a growing sense of bitterness and resentment <laughs> towards this person i think it's better to be okay we're, we're fighting. I'm still, I'm still mad at you. You know, I'm still processing it. So even now, like if, if you, you know, usually it's my daughter who's offended by my son, you know, he, I don't know, farts in the car or something. And she's very offended by that. He'll be like, Oh, I'm sorry. Olive. I've heard her be like, thank you for saying that. I'm still processing. This. <laughs> Come speak to me at dinner time. And it gives her then the space to this is, this is serious stuff. The farting in the car has been, in, I have made so much money on a fart jar from my son than anything else. Cause if he does it and does not excuse himself and he's doing being funny, I get a buck for every time. And I've, we've made some good money anyways. That was the free tip, but the, <laughs> what you do is you say, okay, I need time. 
I need to process this. I need space. Come back to me at this time. Doesn't mean that you get to just withdraw and isolate, not talk to that person. Mm -hmm. And you have all the control and you can emotionally manipulate them to feeling bad. But what it does say to that person is you're thinking it, you're thinking about it. You got to, there's some, you got to go for a walk. You got to like, you know, process it. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we've kind of planned. And we've planned that because both of my husband and I have been in counseling (laughs) Because something that we didn't do very well and it was affecting our marriage. And so we've just now taught to our kids that this is what you do when you're in conflict. So I think a plan Mm -hmm. is really important, you know, like Mm -hmm. a legit, this is what happens when. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So let me ask you this. Do you ever have conflict in front of your kids so that they see what conflict looks like? Yes, we do. It's never like we go hide in our rooms. It's more, that's more like if we're making a decision, we Mm -hmm. don't always, we don't do it because we need to talk it out Mm -hmm. freely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's tough because especially they're, and I have to say, especially the age they're at, then they start to give us, they, they make the little comments from the peanut gallery and it's just, (laughs) it just, it makes it more tense. So, but there are things that like, you know, we'll, there are times where I'll give you an example, you know, I'm kind of being cranky because maybe that time of the month for me and my husband be like, yo, you're kind of being snippy and rude to all of us. He'll say that to me in front of the kids, you know, like, he'll be like, why are you not mean? Like, Mm -hmm. he'll be like, why are you yelling at us? (laughs) He won't be like, I'm coming to the room. I need to tell you something. It's more like decision things. There's a conflict about, you know, but you know, or if I'm like, there's tons of times I've, I've, we, we try, both of us tend to be very light and funny people anyways. Mm -hmm. So those little things we don't mind kind of like, you know, working out, but the big stuff, it's tough on their older. Cause I feel like they want to have their, their two cents. And I think sometimes we just need to kind of have a safe space so we could talk it out. And then we're like, and we'll even say like, I didn't agree with your dad, but he brought up this, this, and this, and I am backing this decision because of this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And that was always very important to me that I didn't just be like, we're doing this because your father says so. I want my kids to know that I'm thinking through things too. And I also want them to know that he gives me the space to have my own thoughts and bring my own perspective because that's mm-hmm. our culture. You know, that's a value that we have. It's not just dad said so. And so mm-hmm. we're going to blindly do whatever dad wants. Cause guess what? Dad makes mistakes. He has bad days. Sometimes he doesn't have the knowledge or experience to make a good decision. And he'll be like, he'll say to me, what do you think? So I just, I don't know. It's yeah. kind of a value you have, but yeah. we've learned that we need to like sometimes do it in our room first so that if we do need, if it does get a little messy, no permanent damage is done to the other folks in the house. Yeah. That's good. And I did want to give some encouragement if anybody's listening and they're like, well, it's good that you have a very mature partner, but I do not, (laughs) (laughs) who is willing to go in the other room. I I think it's important. And and, and what I'm learning to do is to model how I respond Mm. to conflict. Like even if the other person that I'm in conflict with is not handling it the way I think they should be handling it or handling it in a godly way or, or they're triggered. I 
know that my kids are watching. And so I try to manage that conflict. And this isn't being like, you know, a rug for somebody to step on. Like I'm not a, what do they call it? Like, you know, yeah, this is me doing my best. And I don't always get it right to respond in a godly way, but showing them this is how they can respond in conflict when they're dealing with somebody who's saying things. How do I respond? And, you know, and this isn't one-sided. Has my husband respond to me when I'm being unreasonable? And yes, there are things that we've done behind closed doors, but, you know, like we got into a big discussion when we were driving my daughter down to college. It's like a 14-hour trip and we're like four hours in and we got into this big discussion. And when I told my friend the story, she's like, you talked about that in front of your kids? And I'm like, well, they, they actually got to see the entire process of us resolving this conflict. <laughs> like they really did. And, and, and what was so interesting is that we got to the hotel room that night and, you know, we're five of us in a hotel room, you know, my two girls share a bed. My son's got a cot. Me and my husband are in one bed. It's a tiny, tiny room. And we woke up the next morning and my son goes, I saw you and dad snuggling last night. I mean, we were literally just snuggling. No, we were, (laughs) it wasn't a code word for anything. And I was like, yeah, I said, well, me and daddy really connected yesterday in the car. He's like, yeah, I know. Like he saw the connection between our affection for one another and that, that wrestling that we did in our conversation and trying to like see the other's point of view and trying to be heard ourselves and then, and apologizing to each other and then getting back, like, they got to see all of that. And so yeah. part of me, I mean, my kids are older now. Right. Um, they're 14, 16, and 18. And so, I mean, hopefully they felt safe. It sounds like my son felt safe enough to like be witness to all of that and see what was on the other side of that. What was on the other side of that was right. a connection between me and my husband and a closeness because we we were willing to get in the ring and really process how we felt differently and together. And, and so, you know, I am aware of how am I modeling conflict resolution when my partner maybe isn't following the rules. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. So anybody out there who's like, I don't have, I don't have a, you know, a spouse that's, you know, says the right things and does the right things and wants to go in another room to have a conversation. We can find ways to model godly conflict resolution, you know, return anger with a soft answer all of these other techniques that we can use. To add to that, my husband and I are total opposites in almost every way. We somehow manage to have some shared values. <laughs> but it's just kind of funny. I mean, we met when we were 18. And over the years, we've done different personality tests and every time they come back like do not marry this person yeah like run away and there's always like well if you had to you could make it work if you did this but we don't recommend it (laughs) we're like oh great so that kind of the the clash of preferences happens a lot with us and one thing that I think it's built and been good for our kids is just a sense of individuality. Mm. You know, um, we resolve a lot of things by going, well, that's how I think about things. 
but this is how daddy thinks about things. And we can still come together and come to a conclusion and make a decision because we defer to each other. We Mm. love each other. You know, we have that. We love Jesus more than, you know, if the bread's supposed to be in the fridge or on the counter or whatever. (laughs) And, you know, more serious issues. It should be in the fridge. Just so you know. Um, Bread? Do you say bread should be on the counter? Or the no, fridge, fridge, I mean? Yes. No. no. Stays fresher. <laughs> oh, it it's cold. It gets stale in the fridge, I think. No. All right, we're going to have to Google. Oh, wait, fresh. wait. Are you a butter on the counter or butter in the fridge? Well, if Both. you have a butter bell, then it can be on the counter. But if you don't, it should be in the fridge. All right. See, Sorry the- to digress. <laughs> you go in the other room, Kimberly, and talk about this. <laughs> yeah, you two need to go into a breakout room, figure this out, come back with an apology. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's all I wanted to just as an encouragement to anybody who, you know, is in a marriage where you feel like, you know, you're a bit of opposites attract type of of couple. It's actually really good for for your kids to see that you're different and they can have their own opinions, too. But when it comes down to decision time. Obviously, you need to kind of have that plan, right? But when it comes down to decision time, you're going to defer or you're going to back up, you know, the decision and you're going to get behind it. And this is what we're doing as a family. And this, this is what we've decided. And it might not be the thing that I would necessarily prefer to do, but because we're a team, right. I'm behind it and I'm going to make it work and I'm going to make it good. But it can also make your kids think that they, whatever their preferences is good all the time. So buyer beware on that one. Yeah, I think the key is to just be in agreement of how you're going to handle any conflict, whether it's going to be, we're going to yeah. have it out in front of the kids and we're both comfortable with that. And we, we, we think they can handle it or it's going to be, we're going to take a time out and go in the room and, and then, and then come back. Or it's going to mm-hmm. be, we're going to have a big fight. Whatever it is, everyone's got to be told the plan. Because the worst thing is if someone doesn't feel like they can be heard, if someone feels like they are being misunderstood in conflict, like when there's a plan in place, it's, and everybody needs aware of it, it doesn't really matter what the plan is. It just gives the framework of how we're dealing with conflict. And you're going to get to the resolution a lot faster if there is rules of engagement. So Mm -hmm. yes, it's going to look different for every family. Rules of engagement. Another thing that can get in the way is just not having fun together, which we kind of touched on. So I won't go into too much, but I do think like little traditions, things that they can be counted on, silly stuff, being silly in front of your kids. I think, I think that's something you might, if you, if you're not someone who's silly, I would encourage you to just practice it every (laughs) once in a while, you know? Silly little thing that we do in our families, everybody's got their own playlist on Spotify and it's like their hype, they're like hype pump it up playlist. So like if, you know, one kid's going to play a sport, that's what we, we play their playlist and we sing mm, all their songs good. at the top of our that's lungs. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got mine, I've got a lot of depressing music on mine and they complain, but we all have <laughs> our playlist and it's silly, but it's fun. And so I think, you know, Sometimes we get sucked into that like myth 
that if you want to fun together, you got to spend money. And I don't mm. think that's true. Kind of the most fun stuff is just being silly, letting loose, having little quirky traditions that just your family does. And, you know, and as you said, Kimberly, putting it on the calendar, like mm. we're going to, one of the things we're doing tomorrow night actually is I'm teaching my kids how to play the board game Settlers of Catan. Has anyone ever played that game? Some people say Catan. <laughs> yes. I say Catan because I'm from Jersey. <laughs> and they haven't played this game. This game, side note, my brother and I got into such a fight over it 20 years ago. No, 20 years 15 ago. years ago. As You're a still talking adult, about it? <laughs> as a adult, we did not speak to each other for like three weeks. My father had to intervene. He oh wanted us God. to take the game out of the house because he felt like it had a demonic presence. It does not. <laughs> it's not that kind of game. So we still he lost, I assume he lost. of Satan. <laughs> no, yeah. But it can bring out the worst in people. But it's a lot of fun. So my kids are going to learn how to play it tomorrow. And it's just silly things like that. You know, I just think kind of fun. You know, it's not mm. all about the, you know, it's not all about what they do as far as sports and mm-hmm. SATs and birthday parties. Like you've got to have fun with your kids too. So mm-hmm. find what it is and just start doing it and do something until it clicks. And you're like, oh yeah, we all like this. Let's do this again. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. So, yeah, again, you have to try it out and you have to be patient and might take some time to figure that out and just be patient with it. It's worth it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to wrap up with a myth that I believe, and I think we've touched on it, but I just want to reiterate that, you know, having a healthy, healthy, happy family is not about everyone being the same or sameness. It's more about respecting one another, sharing the values, but respecting each other's interests, respecting each other's talents, Mm -hmm. even encouraging one another in their individual strengths. and, And so that they know that they're valued for what they bring to a table. Again, going back to this idea of culture in an organization, everyone has a part to play. If you had everybody do the same job, you know, you'd never meet your objectives, right? Mm. So everyone has a part to play. And so I don't want listeners to confuse this and be like, well, you guys have families that they're all the same. My it would never work in my family because they're so different right? You can be different and still have a cohesive home. You can still enjoy spending time together. You can still, you know, have a pattern of activities that creates belonging. It it has, you know, don't be deterred by having individual personalities, individual interests and individual strengths. That's great. Amen. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, this was an awesome conversation. I totally learned a lot especially about conflict resolution. Yeah, so thank you for this, guys. I really appreciated it. Thank you. This was great. I also learned a lot. (laughs) If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life, what we get right and what we get wrong, too. You can find me at at Kimberly Amici, and you can find the podcast at at Build Your Best Family. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose.